Friday, March 2nd, 2012, and this is Radio Wave. The Medj Network Information Service. I'm Robert John. Drones to fly over private property. A new federal law passed Tuesday will allow drones to fly in American airspace for commercial purposes, including the selling of real estate, monitoring wildlife, crop dusting, and even used regularly in law enforcement. However, several advocacy groups, including the ACLU, have raised concerns about what could be routine aerial surveillance of American life. Our Lady said on February 25, 1992, Dear children, today I invite you to draw still closer to God through prayer. Only that way will I be able to help you and to protect you from every attack of Satan. I am with you, and I intercede for you with God that He protect you. But I need your prayers and your yes. Therefore, my dear little children, draw close to God so He may protect you and guard you from every evil. Gambling Epidemic in Italy, a Sign of the Times Just last December, in a small town near Rome, a policeman kidnapped his neighbor's teenage son and demanded a ransom of 85,000 euro. When arrested by his fellow officers, he confessed that he was drowning in debt, losing everything to video poker. The state has encouraged it, and advertising has done the rest, says Daniele Poto, reporting on the phenomenon. She continues, quote, Inside, the parlors have luxury fittings and pretty girls, but no clocks, so you lose all sense of time, unquote. With a third of young Italians looking for work, gambling becomes an easy temptation to seek out quick fortunes. It is estimated 800,000 Italians are now addicted to gambling. Our Lady said on March 18, 1985, Right now, many are greatly seeking money, not only in the parish, but in the whole world. Woe to those who seek to take everything from those who come. And she also said on June 25, 1989, Pray, because you are in great temptation and danger, because the world and material goods lead you into slavery. Satan is active in this plan. I want to help each of you in prayer. I am interceding to my son for you. This is the Medj Network Information Service. Virginia passes pro-life bill. 
The state of Virginia passed a pro-life bill Tuesday, becoming the eighth state to require an ultrasound before any abortion is performed. The original bill, requiring both an internal and external ultrasound, caused a national uproar by those who claimed it would force women to have an unwanted and invasive procedure. The bill passed the Senate after being amended to only require an external ultrasound. Pennsylvania and Mississippi are also looking at ultrasound laws, including both internal and external exams, while Texas already has a similar law in effect. Our Lady said on March 3, 1990, I call you in a special way to pray for all unborn children. Pray especially for the mothers who consciously kill their children. Pray that there will be as few as possible of these mothers and as few as possible of these cases in the world. England running out of water. Consistent droughts in England have left neighboring Wales the prime candidate for supplying water to much of England. Britain faces a shaky future with water shortages already throughout much of the country. Politicians in Wales are ready to help their neighbor for a fair price. As one spokesman from Wales said, quote, Wales has got the water. The issue now is who owns that resource and whether Wales is getting a fair price for it, unquote. Some say the water should be provided for free. Others argue that water is a commodity and should be sold at a fair price. Our Lady said on November 7, 1985, Dear children, I am calling you to the love of neighbor and love toward the one from whom evil comes to you. In that way, you will be able to discern the intentions of hearts. Pray and love, dear children. By love, you are able to do even that which you think is impossible. Thank you for having responded to my call. For the Medj Network Information Service, I'm Robert John. This is Medjugorje.com. Stay tuned for our regular radio wave broadcast, brought to you by Caritas of Birmingham. December 2004, a tsunami hits Sri Lanka and kills 300,000 people from one moment to the next. August 2005, Hurricane Katrina strikes the southern U.S. with a wave surge unprecedented in the country's history. October 2005, Hurricane Stan strikes Central America, whole villages buried under mudslides. A few days later, Pakistan, India, Afghanistan struck with a massive earthquake killing over 50,000 people. Thirteen days later, Hurricane Wilma explodes in the strongest hurricane ever recorded in the history of the Atlantic. Portugal and Spain dry up in the worst drought ever seen before, Scotland besieged with floods. All these events taking place within nine months of each other. Is heaven acting? Why So Many Disasters, by a friend of Medjugorje, takes a peering look into the mystery of the natural events taking place today. Why So Many Disasters, available on medj.com, spelled M-E-J dot com, or by calling Caritas in the U.S., 205-672-2000, 205-672-2000. Why So Many Disasters, by a friend of Medjugorje, available through Caritas of Birmingham.
and the signs are everywhere in the world today. All one has to do is look around them and see the events that are taking place in the world to know that heaven is indeed acting. This is Radio Wave with your host, the friend of Medjugorje. Why so many disasters? That's the question really to ask. It's a good question to ask. How long ago did I write that? Back, do you remember? Joan? Maybe 2005. 2006, probably. 2006. 2006. probably 2006. And it's related, actually, to some of the things on the, um, on the Information Network, which was gambling, one of them. And then Italy had the, of um, course, a crisis now gambling. In other words, you can't sin without eventually suffering the consequences. And this is what we see today. The piling up of decades of continuous sin where eventually God has to act. It can seem anonymous. As this commercial was playing, that's the first time I've heard it, Asked Riaz, was all that out of the book? He says, yeah, I forget, and I, I did all the research on it, put that together, compiled within a nine-month period. But I think I remember now it was about birth. What's been birthed in nine months? Look at just in that nine-month period, all those things that happened. And there's relief. Paralleling the admonitions that's coming, and when they be released, there'll be relief between the admonitions. A lady says there'll be a short interval between the first and the second and the third why? To step back, to reflect, to give a period of conversion. After 9-11, you had the Democrats and the Republicans in Congress praying and holding hands together. Didn't last long. But it's an example of our human nature that when we suffer crisis, we bond together and help each other. Forget who you are whether you're liberal, conservative, Democrat, Republican, nationalities. Crisis has a tendency to not only pull us together, but to reflect on God. So is it be a Russian roulette or a spin of the dice or the, the wheel, rather, a roll of the dice? The God says, okay, what am I going to pull out of my bag of tricks to get man's attention? Although I think I'll do three admonitions. I'll put a little intervals between them. Oh, it's with real strategy. With real thoughtfulness on God's part. Whatever he does, because he's perfect, is perfect. There won't be any better way than what's coming that it comes. But does it come from God? Is heaven really acting in that sense? No, heaven is responding because we did not respond to grace to correct our conscience from the 50s, the 60s, the early 1900s even. And Fatima, it was Our Lady who said that the war would be over soon. Speaking of World War I, and indeed it was. And she added, but if man does not cease his sin, a larger and greater war will break out. 
she told Sister Lucy. Know that when you see the sky illuminated, that this war will be breaking out. And of course, all of Europe, and you can go look at this online and Google this or find a research about it, that all the European continent lit up from 9 o'clock to 3 a.m. Just before Hitler began his march. But what happened from 1917 to 1938-39 in this period of time? Berlin was decadent. It's amazing how perverse the abomination, the legalizing and acceptance of it as a whole. See, we wonder why Berlin got a wall split in it between, and it suffered for so many years. They allowed something in their land in their city that shouldn't have been there. They degraded to the most filth and perverse abominations. After World War I, you would think that would have been enough to change their minds and their hearts. And so they went through purification. Not only through World War II, but up to recently, right up to Ronald Reagan's days, 1989, I think the Berlin Wall came down. And we see it as tyranny. We see it as the freedom being taken away from people. No, you lose your freedom when you do not live according to God's commandments. If you live His commandments, you gain freedom. It's a principle. We just heard that England needs water then a 30-year drought. They want to get it from Wales. Wales, their neighbor, their reservoirs are 97% full. I'd like to read about their morals. What are they accepting? What are their values? I don't know, so I'm just conjecturing this. But I I do know about England. They're promoters of acceptance, of tolerance. Tolerance of just what happened to Berlin after World War I, going into decadence. They're promoters and defenders of it. That even if you say one thing against this lifestyle or sins, that you commit a hate crime. There's consequences, England, for being so tolerant of sin. Drought, famine, the burning of your nation, outlawlessness. Your gun's taken up where you can't even defend yourself from the riders. You lose freedom. Don't look at the people who are perpetrating this. Look at why they're being allowed to be able to be the perpetrators. Sin. I was there 15 years ago. I spoke there. I couldn't believe what I saw in the official Church of England. The decadence and the bishops and what they're promoting. The toleration of abomination. Romans 1, 18 Start at that, England. Read it if you want to know about your drought. Read it if you want to understand the drought. 
there's a contradiction if this is not true. The scriptures aren't correct if this is not true. It's false. Because Matthew 6, which a lady said to read every Thursday, says, Seek God's kingdom, and all things will be given to you. See the birds of the air? The Heavenly Father feeds them. Do not worry about your clothing, what you eat or do you to drink. Will not the Heavenly Father provide these things? England, you, do you need water? Anything that's on fire needs water. Why don't you have it? A lady just recently said, honest eyes. Be honest. Look at yourself. Look at what you've accepted. Look what you tolerate. Don't tell me, don't judge. Then don't read the Bible. Don't accept it. You're making judgment when you tolerate it. You have to say, okay, this sin we're going to allow in our culture because we judge it to be okay. Where the Bible teaches us to judge it that it's not okay. Don't be confused. Jesus actually says judge. It's in the scriptures. It's in the New Testament. Judge, he says, with the right judgment. In other words, backed by scriptures, backed by truth. Don't think you're not to cast judgment on actions. But you're not to cast judgment as to God's judgment on where they're going. Even why maybe they may be this way. Why people do this. There's a lot of extenuating circumstances. But that doesn't mean, because we're not supposed to judge that, we can't have laws that protect the sanctity of marriage. Laws that protect the womb. Laws that protect everything. Otherwise, oh, I'm a born adulteress, okay? If you speak against that, oh, that's a hate crime. You say that's silly? No, it's a hundred times more silly for the other one. That's against nature. Adultery is within nature's framework. Abomination is not. And so why do we have drought? That's the question. Why do we have so many disasters? I didn't even plan on going anywhere in this direction. I'm doing this because I just heard on the commercial. But if I lived in England, if I saw our country was suffering this way, and I saw the same ground right next door, filled and overflowing and with rain coming down from God from the heavens, I would say, what is that about? And maybe Wells are accepting the same things. I don't know the politics there. But what I can do is read the signs, and if they're going that direction, consequences from England started decades ago with this sin and other things. And so if the reservoirs or wells are full now, and they're headed that direction of acceptance, they'll drop too. It don't matter how many reservoirs, it don't matter what conditions you made. God does not have to defend Himself. The saints teach us that nature itself rises up to defend God and His ways and His truth. 
So we need to evaluate this. We need to say why certain things happen in certain areas. And don't give me, well, you're a sinner. My dad taught me that every day. You're a sinner. He was always telling us we're sinners because we are. But I repent. I confess. And I recognize my sin. The difference is, is we don't recognize sin to be sin. There's nothing wrong with it. We accept it. What comes after that? And you live it. You culturalize it. Drought. Famine. Anarchy. Debt. Financial collapse. And if those things don't get your attention, God will send more. The fact that our lady's coming. The fact that our lady has come today and given a message to give more is the trumpets of the Revelation. The book of Revelations. I heard a trumpet. I heard a trumpet today. Our Lady's words. And it comes today with a warning. Why is she saying, I warn you? This is the question to ask yourself. Our Lady, Queen of Peace of Medjugorje's March 2nd, 2012 message given to Mariana on the day for non-believers. Dear children, through the immeasurable love of God, I am coming among you, and I am persistently calling you into the arms of my Son. With a motherly heart, I am imploring you, my children, but I am also repeatedly warning you that concern for those who have not come to know my Son be in the first place for you. Do not permit that by looking at you and your life, they are not overcome by a desire to come to know Him. Pray to the Holy Spirit for my Son to be impressed within you. Pray that you can be apostles of the divine light in this time of darkness and hopelessness. This is a time of your trial. With a rosary in hand and love in the heart, set out with me. I am leading you towards Easter in my Son. Pray for those whom my Son has chosen, that they can always live through Him and in Him, the High Priest. Thank you. It's really incredible that Our Lady trumpets these words to us, just as the angels of Revelation. She wouldn't be coming if it was not out a serious warning. We don't get these things even in Christian history like this. But who is it? This woman. Who was she? What was she when she walked the earth? She was somebody that just really stayed in the kitchen. That was her workshop. She left it perhaps to go bring treats to Jesus and Joseph in, the, in his carpenter shop. So the kitchen is important. If there's any room in your house that you had to witness the most for everybody, even the father and the children, it's the kitchen. Many things happen in the kitchen. And so we have Our Lady, the kitchen maker, the homemaker, 
The mother who stayed with only one child when she could have easily outgone at this, in this day and time would go do something else. But it's her who chooses to be the witness. And it's her who comes to witness to the world. She's told us to follow her example. She says, I'm a Christian. And she was indeed the first Christian. And here it was. She did more to change the world by staying in that little house, in that little kitchen, in Nazareth, than anything else she could have done. And so perhaps today, what we really need today, what the whole world needs, is a kitchen and a witness of the mom, the dad, the children, and everything in the family that takes place inside this kitchen. drive-through generation About the closest thing to a home-cooked meal is a greasy meat and three We hardly ever gather at our table Life's too busy to be a family Now if you ask me, the whole world needs a kitchen
growing up, there's not a time I can't remember when my dad walked through the door that my mother didn't meet him, hugged him and kissed him. And I remember gathering around his legs and holding on to it. And there was three or four of us at that time, probably. And more were to come. But whatever happened to this kind of life? A taste of mama's wisdom. Jesus is a sin and his mother for that. She gives wisdom. She gives us the words to make decisions today that determine the future. And she just told us, February 2nd, we're not listening. We hear her speak, but we don't listen to her words. We're blind and deaf. deaf. And so it is, Our Lady comes to us to teach us the change of the world is in the house, in the home, in the family. So many things could be said uh, about today's message. There's a lot of words here that Our Lady gave to us, but particularly something Our Lady said in the beginning part of the message where Our Lady said, I am persistently calling you into the arms of my son. And this is interesting because Our Lady, in all of her messages, has never said these words. She's spoken about holding us in her arms. She's spoken about holding Jesus in her arms. But she's never spoken about us being in the arms of her son. And what it, what is the what is the meaning behind this that after all of these years our lady now comes and tells us these words well i remember this black guy that uh, worked for me at one time and he said his wife had died and i forget how we started the conversation but we were talking something about when he dies what would he think what's the first thing he's going to do he said the first thing i'm going to do is hug my Jesus. I was thinking he was going to say something about his wife because we were in discussion with that. So the first thing at the foot of the cross when Jesus was lowered off the cross was that Our Lady held him in his arm, in her arms. At this message with these words of saying that, I am persistently calling you into the arms of my son That's one. The second time she says, I am. She says, I am imploring you. And the third time she says, I am repeatedly warning you. What does that mean? Will it be the first thing we want to see as we're being martyred? Is Jesus' arms waiting on us on the other side? Does that negate what Stephen could have looked up in ecstasy as he was being stoned? Does it negate, even in this life, we don't need to feel the arms of Jesus holding us now? If you follow the messages, there will be moments you feel that. I felt that. Really felt it. If you start to walk with these messages, the trials that it will go through 
and that walk will bring you closer to him. That's the purpose of trials. Otherwise, there's no reason for it. And this follows the same principles about the secrets. The trials are trying to be better. The trials are trying to walk and change our life and our direction. The struggles that go along with that. I am repeatedly warning you. I already wouldn't say that without trying to give us a hint. Do you realize what's happening? I already knows that we're not angels. She knows we're going to fall. She knows that we don't always stand firmly. But we need to become better each day. That's what the process of conversion is about. The process of conversion means to change your direction of your life and fault every single day. I lady gave a message that said, every day work on a fault. That means go to conversion. It will go the rest of your life. When you do fail, go back. You got the opportunity to confess. She wants you to recognize that your sin. And we're going to sin. Don Bosco, or was it Don Bosco? Yeah, I think Don Bosco, uh, the boy. What was the boy that he was? Dominic Savio. Dominic Savio. Dominic Savio. He didn't want to sin. He begged God not to let him sin anymore. And he, he got bedridden, got sick. The doctor said he was okay. He says no. He kept pleading with Jesus he didn't want to sin. And he died. If you don't want to sin, you just got to die. That's what happened. <laughs> and so we're men, we're sinners, we will sin. Jesus has remedied that. That's not the problem. It's the denial of the sin that's the problem. The rationalization, I'm not in sin. So we've got to realize that those demons will make us fall. But will we repent? Will we change? So our Lady's warning us that for those who look to you and your life causes them to fall, they don't receive the desire to know Him more. You've got to think about your witness. If you think about your witness, you'll realize every day you need to become better than you used to be. I know how to hold a grudge I can send a bridge up in smoke And I can't count the people I've let down The hearts i broke You ain't gotta dig too deep If you wanna find some dirt on me But I'm learning who you've been Ain't who you gotta be It's gonna be enough Oh, honey, I won't lie I ain't no angel I still got a few more dances With the devil I'm cleaning up my act Little by little I'm getting there I can finally stand the man In the mirror I see I ain't as good as I'm gonna get But I'm better than I used to 
Pinned a lot of demons to the ground Got a few old habits left But there's still one or two I might need you to help me get Standing in the rain so long It's left me with a little rust But put some faith in me and someday you'll see There's a diamond under all this dust I ain't no You might be wondering what happened to the writing from a friend of Medjugorje that he does every second of the month, and it is coming. He's been writing from 4 o'clock this morning until about 30 minutes before the show went on today. Um, but I've noticed in knowing what the content of the writing is about that you haven't <coughs> mentioned anything about what you've been writing on today in the topic of of the message. And so I'm I'm curious as to... As to why that hasn't come up in in your conversation? Because I'm tired of it. <laughs> no, this show's not for saints; it's for sinners, by a sinner. And when you understand that, you understand all these words are for so many, many different things, and that's why. You could go all day and be intensively into writing. More than I always have done in the past on the second month. I've never delayed one before. But this one was something that came up through it. I felt it's time to write about it. And you can go into another subject with it. And this is a lesson to us all that Our Lady has come to give the completeness, the last aid for the salvation of what Jesus brought to us to the cross, that we'll never, ever, ever need anything else to help us that can even surpass this to gain and hold on to salvation. So that's why we can have a radio show on this every single day, twice a day, using the same message about everything, every topic of the earth, every situation on the earth. As I've said before, 
Today, this message is for 7 billion people several times a day. Billions and billions of circumstances. Hundreds, billions and billions of things between now and the end of the world to be an aid. It's limitless. They have life. and They have life to the end of the world. Once you understand the the treasure in the messages, the depth, the value of them, it'll be easy to drop many, many things in your life and change the direction of your life. She lay dying at only 23. 19 years before, she miraculously survived smallpox, which left her partially blind, her face with deep-pitted scars. While the children isolated her because of her looks, they stoned and persecuted her for her fervent desire to be a Christian. She prayed to the Great White Spirit to send a missionary to pour the water over her head. Sixteen years of prayer was answered when a missionary came through, and from that moment, Tekawatha's heart was no longer upon the earth, rather in heaven. She served others with such care that God shone in her. Many Mohawks began to see beauty in her. At the same time, jealousy and hatred boiled to a point that they began to plot the killing of the frail Mohawk Christian. Fleeing the banks of the St. Lawrence River in New York, she arrived in Canada where she lived with other Christians. They soon learned a jewel was amongst them a spirit radiating such beauty and kindness that many Indians and missionaries themselves were drawn deeper into the Christian life. Tekawitha was a Christian for only four years. Upon her death in 1676, many witnessed her scars vanish and her skin become almost a pure white, physically reflecting the inner beauty that filled her soul. All were amazed at the beauty of the maiden who lay before them. Word spread and thousands of Indians converted, as well as many through the centuries, upon hearing of her holy life, which gave witness to God's love. Tekawitha stands in sharp contrast with society's hunger for beauty. For true beauty radiates first from the heart. Today's answer to beauty is not in makeup, but in the heart. To be beautiful, love. To love, serve. To be able to serve others, forgive, as Tekawitha did. Peace is the fruit. Come to the resting place at Caritasa, Birmingham. You're listening to Radio Wave with a friend of Medjugorje. We have put on our website, of course, the story of Andrea and Anthony, the family here that's the wife has brain tumor. And we've had a lot of response from all over the world, which we knew that would happen. I purposely didn't say anything about it or write anything about it, put it on mine until I felt God showed me the right moment. This past week we did, and there's people praying from all over the world, but we had a priest here yesterday. First of all, I want to thank those who write, thank those who are praying, continue to pray. Andrea says she feels those prayers. But we had a priest at our house yesterday, and we had a healing service there. And prayed over him, but he said, 
and ask, is, this, is there anything about Indians here? I said, yeah, this house is built over an Indian camp. I remember writing this commercial years ago about Tekawitha, but the purpose of it was to bring not people to the resting place, which is our gift shop, but to have an excuse to get on Protestant radio and minister and evangelize stealth with stealth, hidden, in other words, Catholic things, spiritual things that would attract people. And we had many Protestants come up because of that commercial. That's part of our ladies' go for us. We get what we need. We've gone through a period of time where we we had all the answers, had all the money, all the investments. Everything was going our way. And now there's uncertainty. We thought we knew the way life should go, and this is not part of the script. We plan retirement. We plan to do this. We plan to do that, you might say. And we took a 180-degree back return. Our, our life went sour. It went left. It went right. We used to say our prayers. And we knew what God was wanting for us to say. At least we thought. But now everything's uncertainty. We pray God give us strength and all we get is pain. We pray for courage and we need to have more fear of God. What kind of time are we in? A time when our lady said, God will provide for you. You will get what you need. Is it what you want or is it what God knows you need? I knew all the answers The way my life should go And when I used to say my prayers I would tell God so It seemed He wasn't listening I thought He didn't care But looking back it's plain to see He was always there I prayed for strength And I got pain that made me strong I prayed for courage And I got fear to overcome When I prayed for faith My empty heart brought me to my knees I don't always get what I want I get what I need Not saying that it's easy, or that it doesn't hurt, but nothing seems to go my way, nothing seems to work. But these days I'm getting better at going with the flow, accepting that sometimes the answer to a prayer is no. I got fear to overcome When I prayed for 
Lady said today in her message, I am imploring you, my children, but I'm also repeatedly warning you that concern for those who have not come to know my son be in the first place. Do not permit that by looking at you and your life, they are not overcome by desire to come to know him. This is the third thing we've spoken about, I've written about for quite some time. First, there'll be radical conversion. Second, there'll be great separation. And third, your sole purpose in your life will be the conversion of a pagan, a non-believer. Our lady says that today, the third thing. For those who have not come to know my son, be in the first place for you. Has a scene. How did this know to be written? It's in the whole of the messages. And now our lady literally says it, the third thing that's coming after the separation. This should give more credibility to you to believe in the first. A moment of radical conversion, second, a great separation, and then your sole purpose in life will be the conversion of a non-believer. As the lady said today, that concern for those who have come to know my son be in the first place for you. <clears throat> and she says, do not permit that by looking at you and your life, they are not overcome by a desire to come to know him. That's kind of a strange statement. Because our lady could have said it in a smoother way. She could have said, be a witness. So that when those who look at you will be overcome by the desire to know him, my son. Our lady said just the opposite. Do not permit. She said a negative. Do not permit that by looking at you and your life, they are not overcome by a desire to come to know him. Why is this? Because the negative statement that our lady says here 
shows that we haven't been the witness we're supposed to be. It's easier to cop out if she would have said it the same thing. Be a witness so that your brothers will be overcome with the desire to know my son. You don't focus on your failures. She's focused on where have you failed? Where have you not done that? Where did you walk with somebody and you didn't overcome them? I was out writing this past week. It was so busy here, I went off to write. I'm sitting at a table. A young guy comes over to me. I wasn't even aware of his presence. He says, are you a teacher? I said, no, kind of. I went there to get private to, to write some things that I didn't need to be interrupted. I went there really for the whole day. Three hours later, we finished talking. He was going to be a missionary in Africa. He was Protestant. And he was challenging me on things, not aggressively or meanly, but he wanted to know. I'd make the point. He said, oh, I never thought about it that way. He even gave me a card afterwards. Say, would it be all right if I wrote to you just with some other challenges about this? One of the things he couldn't believe that we could pray for the dead. He thought, when you're in heaven, your wholeness with God and union, you care about nobody on the earth. He says, I don't believe you can pray to Mary. I said, that's okay. Don't believe it. I'm not asking you to believe anything. I'm just saying you pray to Jesus to open your heart to her if he's got a plan with her upon the earth. That was my theme through the whole talk. So to his statement that we don't care about people on earth, I said, what about your grandpa? Somebody's in heaven. Do you not think they concern themselves for if you're in sin down here or you need salvation? He says, no, because our total focus would be God. I said, oh, is that the case? Why does it say in scriptures that when a sinner repents, all the angels in heaven rejoice? They're watching the earth. He said, oh, that's a good point. For three hours, we went through these points. But I say to this because I don't know what he saw and what I was doing when he was looking at me and what I displayed through my life because I wasn't doing a whole lot. But maybe it's the magnetism. Maybe it's something in his spirit, something in my spirit that drew him to me. This happens all the time, whether I be on airplanes, wherever I am. Not that I'm a saint. I'm a sinner. But I believe in the messages. I believe in the power. I believe that he says, speak about my messages to everyone you encounter. Often, I don't want to be spoken about to. He kept apologizing the first hour, the second hour, and finally the third hour. He tried to leave, and, and then he'd ask me something else. And so, we are to come together as a people. Our lady said, April 24th, 1983, be converted. It will be too late when the sign comes. Beforehand, several warnings will be given to the world. There's that word again, just like I said today. Repeatedly, I'm warning you. Be a witness. Be the light. Be the apostle of the divine light, she says, in the time of this darkness and hopelessness. The world's gone. There's no hope for the world. And so it is Our Lady says today about this morning. And we have diversity being taught. The church used to be so whole that Catholics could marry each other and has so many traditions, even though raised in different places, because of the Catholicism, that they were 80% in union already. We don't even have 1% of married couples getting married today. And what we don't have is people going to Jesus. If you have a good relationship with God, a good relationship with Our Lady, a good relationship with Jesus... You begin to possess them in your heart. 
if another, a neighbor, or a spouse, or one you're going to marry, or anyone else has the same relationship they're growing in, you become one. That's why we could have Latin. We could go to any mass around the world and understand everything. There was a oneness to the church. I'm not saying that to make an advocate that Latin masses. What I'm saying is that we've lost this and gone down the, the evil road of diversity. You be you, I be me. And you can't even have people of the same culture marrying each other and be along. So our relationship, our lady wants us to pray for Pray to the Holy Spirit for Jesus to be impressed within us. If my neighbor, my brother, my spouse, my children have Jesus impressed in them, then we become closer, less differences. And we begin to see we're not so different after all. We can laugh, we can love, we can hope together. We can hurt because Jesus went through these things. Fear at the Garden of Gethsemane, let this cup pass from me. He cried. Maybe we're not so different. But because we are independent of Jesus, we don't want to follow him, then we can't be in union with anyone else. So we're made in Jesus' image. We can either reject Our Lady, this invitation of hers today, to be like Jesus, to go for the world and find some other God other than Jesus, something more exotic. But eventually by doing that, we'll discover all the emptiness it brings. Other gods won't satisfy us. The human heart, our longings, will find there's only one Jesus. And if we come in union with him, we'll see we're not any different than he is and how he lives on the earth, nor our neighbor, our spouse, our loved one. She said we're much too different, we're from two separate worlds, and he admitted she was partly right. But in his heart's defense he told her what they had in common was strong enough to bond them for life. He said, look behind your own soul and the person that you'll see just might remind you of me. I laugh, I love, I hope, I try, I hurt. She could hardly argue With his pure and simple logic But logic never could convince a heart She had always dreamed of loving Someone more exotic And he just didn't seem to fit the part So she searched for greener pastures But never could forget What he whispered when she 
Jesus is one in his oneness. He desires you to be. We received a message just specifically for the community in Medjugorje through Maria. How they told us, I want you to be Jesus' joy. That was all she said. Immediately I knew the scriptures that he was referring to, or that she was referring to, that Jesus wanted us to be. As a community. Jesus says, make my joy complete. Be of one mind, one heart, one thought. We can do that. We can do that through the mother. Even though things may be radically different. Maybe we're not that different after all. What do you get when you mix a rock star with the opera star? And one of those is cursed a thousand times, Our Lady. That's what happened to Eric Clapton. He himself lost his child to it falling out through a window and died. Before that, he had other tragedies in his life. When you put Pavarotti with him and clap the singing together, you get a strange, beautiful song. Crying 
Holy Mother, impress your Son within us. He laughed. He loved. He hoped. He tried. He hurt. He need. He feared. And he cried. Make of us the same. Join us in this valley of tears and heal us. We love you. Will you wish you, Our Lady? Goodbye.